It is Monday, November 30th. Hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend. I hope the uh, leftovers are treating you well. But it's time to turn the page to another week of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast. It's Monday, which means I'm your host, David Ubbin. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Staples, the Athletics National Writer. You can listen to him at the Andy Staples Show. Uh, Andy? An interesting weekend of football for sure, uh, but good to good to see you after the uh, a little a little break, uh, a little time off somewhat for the show. I hope you guys enjoyed Friday's show, but uh, yeah, it's been interesting. It has been. It was a, you know, we usually think of Thanksgiving weekend as rivalry weekend in the SEC, and and you get the Iron Bowl, which we got, but the you know there was no Florida, Florida State, no South Carolina, Clemson, mm-hmm. no Georgia, Georgia Tech, so that was a little weird, but. I did think we had some interesting things happening, including a historic moment in a game that probably nobody would have watched otherwise. Yeah, so Sarah Fuller at Vanderbilt, uh, the first female to ever participate in a Power 5 game. We had this covered all week. I hope you guys were able to read that. You can go read Joe Rexroad and Chris Kamrani's story on how it all happened. Peter Ball was on site. He wrote about the scene. Um, A really good column from Joe Rexroad after uh, the game on its significance. Andy, this um, obnoxiously, I think we probably have to call this moment somewhat polarizing, this whole thing. Generally, I think I like to live in the middle most of the time, and I think that's kind of where I am on this. You know, from one side you hear, you know, oh, this was a publicity stunt. I don't believe that was the case at all. it was, who cares? Yeah. Why does it she matter? She kick, and people people really underestimated also the value of her being in the testing protocol. Yes. So she didn't put the rest of the team at risk. Like, that got totally glossed over. Well, and that, over. That's, that's the deal, because Vandy has a former kicker who's in medical school there, mm-hmm. who conceivably could come back because he has one year of eligibility, but he would have had to go through the protocols to get back on the team, and, and it's not just filling out the paperwork – it's making sure you, you've tested enough and, and that they're comfortable having you around the team. She's been going through the exact protocols that they have the entire time because she was the goalkeeper yeah. on the soccer team. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Was she Vanderbilt's you know absolute only option? Probably not. Maybe you could use a punter. Maybe a position player would kick before so-and-so. But here, here's what happened Saturday. Somebody who can really kick a ball did exactly that. It did make some good headlines for Vanderbilt. It did something that no one had ever done before. And... Granted, I wish uh, Vanderbilt's offense had offered her more opportunity, her a more but work. she did execute. Yeah. yeah, she did execute a mortar kick, a mortar kick to prevent a return. But it was a historic moment, and I think nobody's saying women have to per- play football against men to have their athletic exploits taken seriously, and, and nobody's suggesting that we're about to have a wave of women, you know, who are going to play football. There's very few, you know, that that are going to to hold their own on that front. But she did, and and did her job. But it, it was a really cool moment. It was something that she earned. It was something that legitimately can inspire girls across the world to do whatever they want to do when people say they can't, because plenty of people said she couldn't, and she did. And it was something, like I said, we'd never seen before. I don't know why it can't just be that. Well, that's, why that's I don't you, know why people, living, most of whom... You talk about living Most in the of middle. whom who don't really, you know, don't and won't care about Vanderbilt football before ever again in their lives. I don't know why people are so quick to want to just take a dump all over this it's really obnoxious there are stupid people out there who just want to be mad about something because this, is, this mm-hmm. shouldn't be a polarizing issue 
You should either it should celebrate it or not care. Those are, those are mm-hmm. really the only two options. If you're mad about it, probably look inward. Because there's probably <laughs> something going on in your life or not going on in your life that, that is causing that. And it's, it's probably because you're kind of pathetic. And so yeah. th- that's, that's really all there is to it. And I know there's some people, no, it's not because I'm pathetic. But it is because you're pathetic. <laughs> it is. Because you're, you're either really happy about this. You're like, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Or you're like, eh, don't care. Either one of those, yeah, it's cool. But if you're mad about it, it's probably because you're just sad and really not good at life. Oh, well. I think that's a fair assessment. I just think, you know, things are rarely one thing. A pure publicity stunt? No. A pure necessity? No. I don't know. I just know it was pretty cool. And if you want to denigrate it, you suck. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. You, well. <laughs> you're, you're a loser. Uh, you probably have few friends or... They're losers too, and that's cool. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want to be, it's awesome. It, you know, bl- blow your own horn, bang your own drum. Indeed. Well, coming in hot off the top for this week, Andy, uh, a lot of good football, not a lot of great uh, memorable moments, but I, if there's one moment I want to remember this weekend, uh, that's probably the one. And uh, so let's get into it. Thanks, Andy. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for subscribing to our listeners. Uh, if you guys are not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do that at theathletic.com slash grits. And uh, leave us a rating, a review. Um, it only helps the show, helps us bring more shows to you. Andy, not a fantastic weekend of SEC football, but the best game. I, I got I to gotta go with the, the Egg Bowl. I felt yeah. like there was a significant lack of... Of flagrant acts of relief, but we had Matt, we had Matt Corral throwing it around. We got a, a vintage Mike Leach quarterback line: sixty-one pass attempts, four hundred forty yards, ten rushes for thirty-one yards. This was not a great game, but it was probably the most fun game. Yeah, and it was what we what we thought the Egg Bowl would be when this mm-hmm. coaching matchup got set back in January. We thought, okay, this is going to be fun for for years to come, and I think it will be. And it's funny because this was probably. Not the number of fireworks we expected, though we got some fun stuff. We got Matt Corral throwing it like 60 yards in the air perfectly. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he's just, I, let me ask you this, David, because I keep thinking about this the more I watch Matt Corral play. Does he need to go to the NFL and go make some money? Like, Or is he better off coming back? Because the assumption is he's coming back, and and why wouldn't he? Because he's not, he's not talked about that much in the draft circles, but... Look at what he can do. Look at the arm. Mm-hmm. Look at the athletic ability. Because I think that's been the most interesting thing about their offense this year is you thought, okay, they need to have John Rice Plumley in if they want the really athletic mobile quarterback. And obviously John Rice Plumley is a great athlete. But Matt Corral is a really good athlete and, and good enough to get you out of trouble and make something decent happen from a broken play. And I just – I mean – you look at the the needs of quarterback in the NFL. You look at who's potentially going to be a first round draft pick. If I'm Matt Corral, I, I might do some research these next few weeks. Yeah, it, you know it's it's that classic tools versus production thing, and the production obviously has been there this year. I'd like to see him be a little more accurate, maybe. Um, but he, he I, I like the arm strength. I think the tools are there. Yeah, I think you have to test the waters and see what there is. Um, and if you, just, you, know, if you want to come like, back, come back and, and light it up next year. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think that there's a chance of regression. I mean, another year in Lane Kiffin's offense with these weapons, and I think he would do very, very well. So, I, yeah, I think you smell around, um, and, and if people are telling you, hey, one more year you can be a you know a, a first-round, second-round guy, I think so. Because I, I don't know that I see that this By the year. way, I think Mac Jones um, should do the same thing. I know we're going to talk about him later. Yeah. But sniff mm-hmm. around, because he's, he's operating at the height of his powers right now, too. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. A lot of fascinating decisions. Um, you know, I think when you look especially at, at all the seniors that, uh, you know, have some decisions to make at the end of the year, I mean, this is just going to be something we've never seen before. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this all shakes out. But I think if I'm Matt Corral, I probably take one more year back at Ole Miss. Well, and, and you know, for everybody's personal situation is differently, yeah. but different. Well, but, and Ole Miss uh, could I, be I a really interesting test case next year because, you know, Lane, and I've talked to Lane about this a few times, he's very just kind of beside himself on trying to recruit through this as a first-year coach because mm-hmm. he didn't come from another SEC school where they were kind of fishing from the same pond. So they you know, had kids in camp that were class of 2022 guys and 2021 guys. You know, They came from FAU. The kids they had in their camp are not necessarily kids that would get recruited by Ole Miss. So he is flying blind from a recruiting standpoint. And I am curious – how much will he use that one-time transfer exemption, which is going to get passed? Like, mm-hmm. he could recruit essentially a new defense for Ole Miss just like that. And, and what a selling point that would be if Matt Corral's back and you say, look at, the, uh, look at what we did offensively. Now imagine if we had a good defense. And you could cherry mm-hmm. pick the best defensive players from the group of five and create a new defense. I mean, it, it's fascinating. I like this idea. And you can sell guys on, we're going to have fun doing it. That, that's the thing. I think that there's not a lot of SEC programs that I feel like, or even college football programs, that I feel like are having fun. Ole Miss seems like they're having fun. Yeah. I think we expected that, and, and it's been cool to watch. Well, And it's, it's interesting because I mean, Clemson has been doing this for a while where they play mm-hmm. at an elite level, but it seems fun. I, I'd say that, that during the Ryan Day administration, Ohio State's like that too. Uh, Alabama's mm-hmm. a different... Mm-hmm. Listen, Alabama guys do have fun, but it is the attitude is different, and and they'll tell you that. Like I remember Jonathan Allen and Ashawn Robinson explaining it. It's like it's a mindset. It's not for everybody, but this is like Jonathan Allen will tell you this matched my personality type. Yeah, and but not everybody's mm-hmm. like that. Some guys do, do want to have fun and and let it rip, and that's what Ole Miss seems to be offering right now. So yeah, I, I think that's going to be a really interesting next you know eight months in Oxford. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Best team performance, Andy. We got to look around. I, I I'm going to give Missouri some credit for beating Vanderbilt, but this is more of a season achievement award. And let me tell you why. Okay. You know Vanderbilt's been moving the they've been moving the ball the last few weeks. No such luck again. A solid game for Missouri team, but but the first year coaches in this league are doing well. And if you look at Missouri right now. Eli Drinkwitz has Mizzou third in the East, mm-hmm. a game behind Georgia, three games ahead of fourth place. 
There's only six SEC teams with winning records, and what would you think if at this point, you know, two months ago, I told you Mizzou was one of those schools. They've quietly put together a heck of a little year. I, I would argue and that Eli Drinkwitz capped it with a nice win over Maine. had the best situation to come into. Probably. Barry Odom mm-hmm. shouldn't have been fired last year. And, and I, I, this is not a shot at Eli Drinkwitz. It's not his fault Barry Odom got fired. It's the administration's fault. Mm-hmm. But they should not have fired Barry Odom after what he did last season. He did not deserve it. So it was a pretty good situation that Drinkwitz walked into, and it does feel like they've taken a little step forward because you know this this probably would have been a seven and five type team in a regular year. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you can wind up six and four, and we'll see if that that happens. But if you can pull that off in this year, I think that's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I it helps them that they found a quarterback. I think Connor Bazelak yeah. is is. You know that he he is he's doing it every single week. If, if now. you start him um, against the ball, working well. Does that game turn uh, out differently? That's a that's such a fascinating game in retrospect because Missouri just got absolutely dominated in that well, game. See, I would part argue, of it, you know, they did start Sean Robinson. Yeah. I would but, argue that's what Tennessee yeah. should have should have been all year. They try, they just haven't been able to, and they didn't turn the ball over in that game either. <sighs> yeah, well, did you uh, did you like another team this week as your best team of the week? Yeah, Alabama. I <laughs> mean. And I realize, fair enough. You know, this is this is the whole Urban Meyer never wins Big Ten Coach of the Year, even though he's clearly the best coach. Like <laughs> Alabama's yeah. the best team in the SEC, and Alabama looked like it. I mean, it's not easy to win the Iron Bowl forty-two to thirteen. You got to be mm-hmm. operating at a really high level, and and Alabama's offense is definitely doing that. But Alabama's defense seems to have improved quite a bit as the season's gone on, and I think that's what I'm interested to see because. Alabama-Florida is shaping up to be maybe the most exciting SEC championship game in a long time. I, you know what? It, maybe ever. You know what it might be? Maybe going back to those Tebow, those Tebow-Alabama maybe, games. Well, well Alabama-Georgia in 12 was great. I'll tell yeah. you one. Probably the most fun I've had watching one of those and, and covering one of those was actually 2013, was Auburn-Missouri. That was a fun mm-hmm. game because it was, it was a like sixty six forty two. It was a shootout, like and Missouri was yeah. in it till the early till early in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. this could be that. This could be that kind of shootout, and so I'm very excited about that. And just just seeing Alabama evolve, and uh, my best performance of the week, personally from a human being, Steve Sarkeesian. This is his yeah, first. we didn't even get into the fact that they did all this with no Nick yeah, Saban. First yeah. chance to lead a team since he gets fired from USC under very bad circumstances. I mean, uh, he, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he was not doing the job. He got fired. It was justified. And he has gotten healthy. And he's doing things offensively that are the envy of the rest of college football. And you can say, well, not everybody has that kind of line. And not everybody has Najee Harris. And not everybody has those playmakers and Mac Jones and blah, blah, blah. But think about how many coaches – would say would make the excuse going in, oh, we lost to a, and all we got is this three-star mm-hmm. guy that we flipped from Kentucky. Like, what are we going to do with that? He didn't do mm-hmm. that. He, the the <laughs> three-star guy is a Heisman candidate. The offense is running at just optimum level. You've lost your best playmaker already, and all you do is get better. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And I think, too, yeah, I, I think – you know, you touched on it, but obviously the the Iron Bowl and intense rivalry game. I I liked Alabama to kind of do this, but the fact that they could just do it with no Nick Saban 
it just looked like another ho-hum Alabama romp, and that's not easy to do in that ball game. So props to them. They were they were on my short list, uh, but I I felt like Missouri giving them the season long uh, award for for slight over. Well, and and I Georgia. I mean, look, this is what we've wanted to see out of Georgia. And look, it's South Carolina with with Mike Bobo as the interim head coach and a bunch of opt outs, and probably this was going to happen, but Georgia beating a team they were the way they're supposed to beat a team for the first time since mm-hmm. the Auburn game does feel like progress. Mm-hmm. Well, I did give the Georgia offensive line my uh, there's no I in team award since there's we have to get, we have to print we have to make five trophies, hopefully our expense account. Can we do like uh, a Joe Moore award we'll, we'll like with a, just one giant trophy that has to be brought in by forklift? I suppose we could maybe get them some gift cards to like Red Robin or something. I don't know. That's uh, uh, the Wisconsin offensive line <laughs> loves Red Robin. So yeah. I, I, I think that's probably uh, they, universal you know, among offensive lines. I like that. But that, the George offensive line, I mean, who cares about JT Daniels anymore? 351 rushing yards, 104 and two scores from James Cook. I mean, I watched a good chunk of that game. There was a lot going on. But goodness, you could watch the first quarter and just be like, "This is gonna be a long night for South Carolina." No, we, we, and Georgia has not looked that dominant, um, you know, for most of the, a lot of this season, and they did on Saturday. We got to talk about the other game in the SEC that affected the playoff. Well, Florida, Kentucky also affects the playoff race because Florida does have to keep winning. But mm-hmm. and, and shout out to Kyle Pitts, welcome back with three touchdown yeah. catches. I mean, he three scores, he's unbelievable. Uh, and and Trask was good, but it, you know, Trask has put up such unbelievable numbers all year that that looked like a ho-hum performance when yeah. it's funny because for the previous 10 seasons that would have been an just a great florida <laughs> passing performance we're like oh my god it's amazing <laughs> now now it's like oh he only threw three, three touchdown passes what the, was he was he sick so <laughs> I, dan mullen raising the bar yeah so and, and the mullen grantham conversation on the sideline just cracked me up because <laughs> mullen's just screaming at him and grantham's like I don't know how much Grantham was talking back to Mullen and how much he was just talking into his It didn't headset. look like very much. So, But it's it's like when I'm on the phone with customer service and my wife is reminding me of all the things I'm supposed to say to them. And <laughs> some some I pass along and some I don't. And, and then that makes the yelling increase. And I was laughing because I was looking at Twitter last night. So many Florida fans thinking this means Mullen's going to fire Todd Grantham. I want to be like, you do understand... That those guys yell at each other all the time and have for the past five years. Like, that is their relationship. That doesn't mean it's not healthy. That doesn't mean it's over and and one guy's getting fired. It means that that's what they do. Run hot. Yeah. Run hot. That's right. It's a very passionate (laughs) relationship. All right. So, what that was a very long way of getting to the Texas A&M LSU game. Because it was a boring game to watch. But... That was brutal. Again, this is the part, and I realized, you know, ESPN put up that graphic that said Texas A&M needed to win all of its remaining games convincingly to still have a shot at the playoff. I don't think that's true. I just think they have to keep winning. If they're 9-1 and and Alabama wins the SEC title and Notre Dame wins the ACC title, Texas A&M's going to make the playoff. I'm just telling you that right now. They are going to make the playoff. So did they convince anybody of anything last night? I don't know. But I do know that they won comfortably against LSU. Now, it, look, it didn't look great because they couldn't throw the ball against a defense that hasn't been able to defend the pass all year. But mm-hmm. a defense looked good. 
And they got the defensive score. Buddy Johnson, eight tackles, pick six in that second half there to give him a little breathing room. It wasn't pretty, but they got it done. And I think that's true. I mean, there's no amount of style points that's going to let them pass up an ACC champion or an ACC at large, you know, Clemson or or Notre Dame. Um, Or I guess what? The the at large would be Notre Dame, right? Uh, No. If they split those two. If they split, they're both making if, yeah, if a two-loss Clemson, A and M's getting in. Yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna put in a two-loss Clemson ahead of ahead yeah. of them. I mean, that, that's so everybody that, wants to cut. It does come down to the ACC scenarios. That is how that would happen. It's the only mm-hmm. way that would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the style points conversation is somewhat overstated there. I suppose you can you can at least eliminate all doubt, you know, in, in case that you know Ohio State trips up or something along those lines, but. I you know I, I still think it comes down to just what happens with Clemson and Notre Dame for A and M's for well A&M's and Alabama folks. and Florida because if Florida wins they're not getting that's in because Alabama mm-hmm. then becomes the sec- potential second SEC team so yeah the, the, here's and here's my thing on A and M and the style points if your last four include LSU Auburn and Ole Miss and I realize none of those teams are great this year but they are all talented and Ole Miss has proven that it can jump up and and scare somebody really good with Alabama. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, look at that versus what Ohio State has left. Ohio State has Michigan State and Michigan left. And Michigan State seems to get up for big games. So if, if they play, if Ohio State and Michigan State play next week, expect to get Michigan State's best. But realistically, those are not good teams that Ohio State has left. Those are not good teams that Ohio State has played with the exception of Indiana. All three of the the teams I just mentioned are better than everyone not Indiana on Ohio State's schedule. So A and M's fine as far as that goes. They only need to beat each of those teams by a point. <laughs> as long as they win, they have a chance. Now it is not a it is not a sure thing. I mean, we're assuming that Trevor Lawrence and, and Clemson's defense will be fully operational when they play Notre Dame. And that was an overtime game without Trevor Lawrence and, and a lot of the good defensive players. So I, it's not going to be easy for Texas A&M to do it, but if they keep winning, they are giving themselves a chance. Mm-hmm. And for whatever it's worth, whether you get in the playoff or not, they're playing playoff caliber football. And this was the breakthrough year that Jimbo needed. You know, as we're seeing all of these dream hires go up in flames, Scott Frost, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, I'm forgetting Tom someone Herman. else. Tom Herman, obviously. <laughs> These dream hires that everyone was louding and they did, they did not work out. Jimbo quietly just uh, well hanging out on the edge and, of the playoff. And in the year he was supposed to do it. I think that's the, yeah. the more impressive thing yeah. is if you if you knew what was going on at A&M and you knew about the schedule and, and you, would lo- you looked at the roster, you said, okay, 2020 is the year it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work... That contract was probably a bad idea, but if it does work, that contract was probably a good idea. And mm-hmm. sure enough, it's working. And I wish I could – I don't have the, the Twitter handle of the A&M fan who, uh, who sent this to me, and I'm sorry because they do, they do deserve credit for this. Uh, they've sent – this person has sent me the average cost per year of some of these coaches, and like Will Muschamp, like Willie Taggart getting fired at Florida State in year two – uh, and, and then you add in what you have to pay the new staff and all that. Jimbo actually looks like a bargain compared to those guys. And and the person, mm-hmm. and I, again, I'm so sorry that I'm not giving you proper credit for because this is a great line, but hiring great coaches is cheap. Firing bad coaches is, is incredibly expensive. And they're not wrong. I mean, if you look at it, if, if, if you get, 
if Jimbo is doing this in year three and they continue along the same, then they don't have to continue on an upward trajectory, but have a year like this every few years, that's what you paid him for. I mean, it goes back to the whole thing of Nick Saban at $10 million a year is probably underpaid. Oh, Nick Saban, Nick Saban <laughs> is worth $25 million a year. I think you're probably right about that. Dabo, too. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of folks around the SEC. Uh, I may be very acquainted with one that's learning that, that difficult lesson at the moment, uh, a lesson that might cost them $19 million here shortly. So, uh, interesting times. <laughs> I we, we talked a lot about Bama, but I did give Devontae Smith my best individual performance of the week. Seven catches, 171 yards. That game breaker early, smoked, smoked Monday. On that Mac Jones pump fake, he's really stepped up without Jalen Waddle. I, I don't think I had any doubts about this group without Waddle. We'll see when they get into the elite elite games later in the season. See, I, I'm just glad the world is is realizing what Devonte Smith is because I just yeah. remember I was doing some off season story this past year and was looking at through a bunch of Alabama offensive stats and just came across what he did and took a little deeper dive into his season last year. You're like, oh my God, he had one of the best seasons the receivers ever had in the SEC. And all we're talking about is the other guys. We're talking about Jerry Judy yep. and 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 Jalen Waddell and and uh Henry Ruggs. And and granted, those guys are awesome. But Devontae Smith is just a great football player, a great route runner, great worker. You talk to Mac Jones about the way that guy works, about the way Devontae Smith works. And you know, it, it's funny because he started his career with two huge plays. Because remember, he had the catch to beat Mississippi State earlier mm-hmm. that year in 17. And then he has the catch. Like, he he could have lived the rest of his life <laughs> on that catch against Georgia. But right now, he's playing his way into what should be a first-round selection. And I know, look, he's going to weigh in at the combine, and they're going to go, oh, God, no. Just do it, guys. You know he's going to be great. He's doing it against really good competition week after week after week after week for four years. He's going to be great. Just pick him in the first round. I know he's small. I think it's a good idea. I'm with you on this, and uh, hopefully he gives you some kickbacks for that for that uh, sales pitch for the Devontae Smith. He doesn't need a sales pitch. Well, that will do it for this paid. week's show. <laughs> that will do it for this uh, for today's show. Uh, later this week, got a full set of content. Uh, on our site and on this podcast feed, uh, Aaron Suttles tomorrow, Talking Tide, answering your questions. I'll be here later this week, of course, with Mitch Light uh, on Thursday, Josh Kendall wait, on Wednesday, wait, 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 uh, let's, let's, on Friday. Let's talk, uh, David, one more thing before we go. Because Please I've do. just received an email. Okay. Vanderbilt parts ways with Derek Mason. Okay. Not, like not the thing I thought good. we'd be talking about today. No, not indeed. Odd timing, but okay. <laughs> well, and, and Candace Story Lee, you know, new athletic director, coming in hot. I mean, that's, that's you kind of yeah. wondered, because that's not a Vandy thing. You know, you thought Derek Mason might get more time just because Vandy doesn't strike you as the kind of school that would do that in the pandemic. But yes, for the same reasons that we were talking about Sarah Fuller not getting much work on Saturday. That team was awful. That that's one of the worst SEC teams I've seen in a long, really long time. And Vanderbilt expects to be more competitive than that. I, I I know they don't. They should not realistically expect to compete for the East title, and I don't think they ever have. 
expected. If Georgia does that to you, that's one thing. If Mizzou's doing that to you, right? Uh, not great. Right. That is, and so it, it's interesting. Sort of like I feel like they spent all their ammo against Florida because they actually put up a fight against Florida early on. But you have you have what appears to be a pretty good freshman quarterback in Seals, and and maybe mm-hmm. some foundation to work with. The question is, you know, who do you go get? I, I, Clark Lee will be the, the the name that pops up like crazy for this job. He's the Notre Dame defensive coordinator. He's a Vandy guy. Uh, Dave Clawson will get asked. The Wake Forest coach has been working miracles there. Uh, th- there's there's a bunch of kind of obvious names. I, I'm really kind of surprised they did this now, though. Yeah. James Franklin, run it back. <laughs> I don't think they can afford James Franklin's But You know, if this were last year, James Franklin could have could have bounced out of Penn State without any buyout whatsoever. And yeah. that's why Penn State locked him up and and you know, he's got he would have to pay a bunch to leave, they'd have to pay a bunch to fire him. Uh, so it, it's it's out on that one, but but yeah, Clark Lee's one I think I, that's a name I, I would expect to hear mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, Clawson obviously, uh, Will Healy at Charlotte who uh, Worked a miracle at Austin P, uh, you know, just up the road in uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee. I I don't know, I don't know that if I'm an upward trajectory kind of coach, if I'm going to take this job though, because the only person who's yeah. ever been able to turn it into something more was James Franklin. Yep. And I think you know, if you're a Clark Lee, you're sitting. And that's the thing too. People forget these a lot of these coordinator jobs, especially if you get head coaching jobs and want to stay. A lot of these guys are making one five, one six. Yeah. What what's the point? What's the point of leaving? You know, well, exactly. Those are, those are better jobs. A coordinator at a perennial playoff contender is better than a low level power five head coaching job. Well, I think that's why you depends on what you want your life. Tony Elliott like. turned down so many opportunities. Tony yeah. Elliott has had chances to be head coach, but mm-hmm. if if you are the offensive coordinator, play caller at Clemson, being paid very well, and and you may be the successor to Dabo Sweeney ultimately. It, it would take a lot to dynamite you out of there, I would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a breaking news episode. Of How about that? Football and Who knew? Look at Andy checking his email before we get off. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, it's going to be an interesting week across the SEC. And uh, as we start at the top of the show, don't be a jerk. No. It's not that hard. No, just be – look, <laughs> be excited when things go well for other people. Or, or just be indifferent. There's no need to hate. Don't hate. Appreciate, in short. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you later this week. Mm-hmm.